Thanks for listening to The Leader. And remember, you can subscribe through your favourite podcast provider to make sure you get it every day at 4pm. Now, from the Evening Standard in London, this is The Leader. Hi, I'm David Marsland. Boris Johnson has spoken exclusively to the Evening Standard's political editor, Joe Murphy. How is the PM handling the pressure of this extraordinary election? He is, what you'd say, focused. In fact, I'd say that he was the most disciplined I've seen him for quite a few years. We'll speak to Joe about that and Mr Johnson's plans for the first 100 days. Also, a huge property fund's banned withdrawals and blamed Brexit. And the blame for all this is the, the government in the end, because uh, you've seen one year of, pro- of social protest in France. It's not just London facing a rail strike. Paris is all but paralysed by one that's also affecting the Eurostar. We speak to a Parisian affected. Taken from the Evening Standard's editorial column, this is The Leader. For the whole thing, pick up the newspaper or head to standard.co.uk slash comet. In a moment, Joe Murphy on why Boris Johnson says there are seven days to save Britain. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby Podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. There are seven days until election time. With polls showing an average of a 10-point lead for the Conservatives, it seems like a good idea to sit down with Boris Johnson and listen to what he has planned. Our political editor Joe Murphy's done just that, and we'll hear from him in a moment. First, here's what our editorial column makes of what the current and possibly continuing PM has to say. Sometimes elections can be hyped too far, but not this one. In a week, Britain's future will be decided. Will Brexit happen? Will large parts of our industry be nationalised? Will spending soar and debt get out of control? Will the Union of the United Kingdom survive? For many voters, this has been a worrying and unhappy election contest. So we welcome Boris Johnson's positive words in his interview with The Evening Standard today. He's ending the campaign by trying to appeal to wavering voters, by promising a Conservative manifesto, which, were it not for Brexit would see his party rooted firmly in the mainstream of politics. He says he does not want the next parliament to be dominated by Brexit. That is wishful thinking. Next week, the country gets to decide whether a leader who helped divide the nation can bring it back together. 
Joe's in our Westminster office. You met with Boris Johnson. It's been very much a roller coaster campaign. How did he seem? Well, he is what you'd say focused. In fact, I'd say that he was the most disciplined I've seen him for quite a few years. Now, by that I mean he was sticking rigidly on message, he wasn't getting thrown by trick questions, he wasn't being lured down the primrose path of, of, um, uh, of sort of stray topics, uh, even when they were sort of in favour, you know, Jeremy Corbyn pretending to have watched the Queen's speech and being caught out. He wouldn't get, he wouldn't get drawn on any other things. He was sticking to his core message. And that is a sign that I recognise from when he was standing for mayor um, and he would pull out a big binder of questions and answers quite um, openly and quite without shame because he is a man, when he really, really wants something, he lasers down to focus. And that's where he was. It wasn't shambling, Boris. It was focused, Boris. And the polls are suggesting, I think the most recent ones, on average, are showing a 10-point lead for the Conservatives. Did he strike you as a man who thinks he has this in the bag? He struck me as somebody who wasn't going to take any chances. He wasn't going to take his foot off the pedal and he wasn't going to take his hands from round the neck of his opponent, who he thinks he's got on the ropes, I would say, but who is terrified that in the last moments of the round his opponent could wriggle away and breathe again um, so he was relentlessly um, attacking Jeremy Corbyn I mean he spoke about some of his own big projects his big picture but time and time again he came back to saying but look all of this all of these big plans I have and my big vision is at risk because if I don't get an overall majority the Commons, the Parliament won't let me be Prime Minister anymore. They'll find a sort of alliance that will put Jeremy Corbyn in at number 10. And that is the big dilemma for the Conservatives, isn't it? Because they could get the most seats, but if they can't get this plan of action through Parliament, it's all for naught, isn't it? That is exactly what the Prime Minister would tell you, given half a chance. He keeps coming back to, we've got a Parliament that hasn't let me make any moves. Give me a majority and we'll see something different, a completely new story. And there's an interesting thing here. You've got to go back, if you think about it, to 2001 before you can have a situation where there was a Prime Minister who was potentially going to serve a full Parliament with an overall majority. You, you remember that in 2005, Tony Blair was at the fag end of his years and he was forced out after two years. In 2010, David Cameron had to form a coalition. In 2015, he had a majority, a good majority, but unfortunately the, the referendum um, brought all that to a close. And then in 2017... Theresa May got a hung parliament again and it was all an utter disaster. So you've got 18 years that this country has had um, false starts and uh, Johnson's appeal, his, what he feels is his main appeal, especially to Londoners where people are divided on Brexit, is the promise that, well, a government that actually can make decisions and be held accountable has got to be an improvement on a series of governments that have got flat tyres and broken down engines from time to time. Obviously you're still a very young banjo, but you've covered a couple of elections in your time. How does this one compare in terms of 
the stakes that have been raised and the extraordinary way in which these campaigns have been run? I think in terms of the stakes, I mean, the, the difference between the parties is really very, very wide, much wider than I can remember since the 80s. Um, uh, William Hague, who I interviewed earlier on this week, made a very interesting point. He said, well, if you think about it, the Tory tax policy um, now is quite similar to the tax policy that Tony Blair had in 2001. Um, but in other respects, the parties have pushed really wide apart. So you have the Brexit is the issue that is the immediate dividing line. But behind that, you've got spending differences that are enormous and borrowing that is unrecognisable by, by past terms. I think what you've got for the first time since the 1980s, a real sense that the country will go in different directions depending on who wins. Yeah. There was a time of triangulation and third ways and middle ways and husky hugging when it felt like the two front benches were only a sort of, you know, a hairbreadth between them. Um, but now, no, it's very different. Next. A huge property fund has blocked savers from withdrawing their cash should the city regulator have stepped in sooner. Hi, I'm Lawrence Delalio, host of the Evening Standard Rugby podcast, brought to you in partnership with QBE Business Insurance. The show is available to listen to now and right up to the end of the season when the winners of the Champions Cup will be crowned at Tottenham Hotspur Stadium and the fight for the Premiership title will be decided at Twickenham. QBE is one of the world's leading insurers, and they will help your business build resilience through risk management and insurance solutions. Subscribe and download now, wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. The city regulators facing a storm of criticism for failing to beef up its rules after M&G, one of the country's biggest property funds, said it was temporarily suspending dealing in its shares. The group, which owns buildings like the Riverside Retail Park in Chelmsford, has blocked savers from withdrawing their cash after it could not sell buildings fast enough to meet redemption requests. Our editorial column says the excuse given, Brexit, is a flimsy one. Investors in M&G's £2.5 billion property fund are horrified to find that their cash has been frozen. M&G can't sell assets quickly enough and blames Brexit for slowing down the market. It's a bad excuse. Three years in, Brexit's hardly a surprise. Investors have been let down by the fund, but it should never have been allowed to make the impossible promise of good returns and easy access to cash in the first place. Our financial markets are supposed to be regulated. Anger at MNG should also be directed at the Financial Conduct Authority for not stepping in. Now, 
In London, a 27-day RMT union rail strike and four underground services being hit by delays can't stop the city from moving. Over the channel in Paris, though, something very different's happening. <laughs> the city's been brought to a halt by a massive strike over pensions. More than 80% of train drivers are on strike, just about every regional train's been cancelled, and all but five metro lines have been shut down. It's also hitting the Eurostar, with around half of their trains cancelled. Antoine Metten is in Paris and joins me now. This is happening after so much disruption in the city caused by those yellow vest protesters. Aren't people getting a bit fed up of not being able to go about their lives? More than half of people are actually supporting yellow vests and they're not that affected by them because it's just about not going to the Champs-Élysées or any very touristic and commercial place in the city. Uh, people that are most affected by the yellow vests, uh, I think, are the, uh, the owner of these places in these very uh, uh, touristic and commercial neighborhoods in Paris. So tourists and, and maybe, let's say, those, those exploiting these, these places um, in Paris. So really, I think that uh, generally, like the, the, the generally French people, they are more supportive of the yellow vest because they see they are, see, are seeing they are protesting for important things for them, for, for every, everybody, for all the society, actually. So I think they are more supporters, actually. Who's getting the blame for all this? Well, I would say that the blame for all this is the, the government in the end, because uh, you've seen one year of, of social protest in France. It's the first time we have so so long of a protest and it's not not only yellow vest it's in in so many uh, parts of society the hospital is in a big crisis all the public servants are being squished and and specifically the poorest people in society uh, the ones that are not not working with low wages who are the ones that will be affected by this reform uh, against against which is the the protest today both the um, unemployment insurance and the uh, retirement system in France are being really, really uh, attacked by this government and people, they see that it's about their, their life. So I think the, the movement of today is very much a general one and uh, the, the union, what we call the Convergence des Luttes. And I think many people see that people are courageous to go in the street because police is, is very, very strong these days. The the Political repression is very hard under this government, much harder than it was before. Uh, so people that are going today in the streets, uh, they are really uh, fearing for themselves. And it's, I'd say it's the first time for a long time that in France you, you've got fear to go to protest. Uh, but I think it's very supported by the society as a well. whole. And that's The Leader. We publish at 4pm every day, so please do subscribe to make sure you get us nice and early. And also try out our bulletins on smart speakers. There's a new one of those every morning at 7am. We'll see you tomorrow.